Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling. Um, been using Tucker Milling feeds now for over two years, and uh, I hope to be with them for many, many, many years to come. And, uh, hey, the only feed company that I actually used their feed, saw the results, and reached out to them and said, hey, we need to work together. All those feed sponsors before came to me saying, hey, uh, why don't you come tell everybody how great our feed is and here's some money. But no, no, that's not how it worked with Tucker Milling. I um, I was using their feed and saw the great results, multi-species, cows, goats, chickens, hogs, uh, turkeys, rabbits, uh, what else do we have here on the homestead? And um, that was after trying all the foods that were available to me in my area at the different feed stores, both big chain stores and the mom and pops. And uh, out of all the ones that I tried, I saw the best results with Tucker Milling. So I reached out to him and said, hey, uh, I like your stuff. I want to come tour your place. And uh, maybe we can start with together. And um, our guest today, Dr. Curran Gehring, Ph.D., poultry nutritionist, uh, he is the nutritionist over at Tucker Milling, and he designs the feed that I'm using right now in my backyard. And I can pick up the phone and call him if I have any questions about my feed, um, and uh, you can too. You can send him an email. You can contact Tucker Milling if you have a question and uh, find out uh, what's in your feed, what makes their feed so good, um, and where they where you can get their feed. Um, I don't know where you could actually call and talk to the uh, – poultry nutritionist that actually is developing the feed you use in your backyard, but you can. So uh, that's important to me. So, um, but he's our guest today. We're going to be talking all about, I guess, food energy slash carbs. Um, Current and I, the last, uh, all of this year, I think, it, it may have stretched actually into uh, late last year, but I know all of this year, we've been kind of adapting a feed bag. Uh, so we can all learn a little bit more about what we're actually feeding our chickens. Everybody claims they want the best for their chicken. Everybody says, oh, my chickens are so healthy. Uh, yet very, very few people read the tag on the bottom of that feed bag. More than likely, they don't even look at the front of the feed bag. They just look at that big price sign. Uh, but if they do look at the front of the bag, then you know they're like, oh, okay, this is uh, 16% protein, 22% protein. Protein is king. This is what I want. We talked about that. Um, uh, last month, uh, when we talked about protein, because that's what, you know, everybody thinks protein is king. So now we're continuing each show, maybe for even two more months from now, uh, we're going to be dissecting different ingredients in the feed bag, what they do, 
for our birds, how important it is in the scheme of things of all the other ingredients for our birds, um, and uh, really get to know more about our feed, our feed bags, what's in our feed, and why it's important to know. And uh, uh, so we make sure we have all those great, wonderful eggs that we want out of our birds. So that's today's show, all about food, energy, uh, slash carbs. We already did protein. If I need to change that title once we uh, get through this show, um, then I will to make it a little bit more accurate. But I think that's kind of maybe the guideline that we're going to be talking about today. Hey, you know what? If you haven't already subscribed to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, we would love for you to do so. Just go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and uh, click on subscribe. You can subscribe totally free. Four times a year it comes out. And uh, guess what? It's not just me babbling about uh, how I do things here on my farm. It's poultry scientists, poultry nutritionists, poultry veterinarians teaching you about topics. Uh, that, so again, some of these other magazines, if you have a pen, a pulse, and poultry, they'll let you write for them. And then you don't know if it's accurate information or not. And we've called them out on a lot of that stuff because it's not. And so you can get some good, reliable information at the magazine. And we hear from an awful lot of you, and we thank you very much for your emails coming in saying you love the podcast. Um, and uh, you love the magazine, so uh, we appreciate that feedback very, very much. But we've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm going to go to our first commercial break and scoot that on out of the way. And then when I come back, we'll bring Dr. Curran Gehring on, a poultry nutritionist with Tucker Milling, to talk about and start continuing to dissect what's in our feed bag. So um, you can get that pen and spiral notebook ready to continue taking notes for you longtime podcast listeners. I know you do that. <laughs> you have your whole, uh, what, this is our 14th, 13th year of uh, doing this podcast. So I'm sure you have tons of filled spiral notebooks about the topics we have covered. So yeah, let me go to commercial break. We'll come back right after this and we'll get started with this very interesting topic as we continue to dissect what's in our feed bag with Dr. Curran Gehring. Stay with us, folks. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. Um, I believe Stromberg's Chickens is having a broiler sale right now. It's popped up 
on my Facebook feed uh, about every day now as sponsored uh, over at strombergschickens.com. And it's a broiler sale. If I remember correctly, it is a, a certain percentage off broilers. It's the, the, the fast-growing broilers, like probably like the Cornish Cross. Uh, and then I think it was free shipping. So don't hold me to that. Give them a call if you're interested. Uh, we do broilers here once or twice a year. Um, and uh, we've used uh, a lot of broilers from Strombergs. In fact, we use a lot of our butchering equipment also came from Strombergs. Like everybody loves our our, our table that we use um, with the built-in sink, and then all of our, our knives um, and other processing equipment came from Strombergs. But they're having a sale on their broilers, and I just can't uh, remember what it was. I think it was a percentage off the birds and then free shipping. But call them up and see what their deal is right now with their their broiler sale. So, um, all right, let's get over here to the phone lines, and we'll bring on my good friend, Dr. Curran Gehring, Ph.D., poultry nutritionist over at Tucker Milling. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, I guess I, I kind of named it, uh, Doc, you know, all about kind of food, energy, carbs, because I think you know, we've covered the protein. This was kind of next, the next big mm-hmm. thing that people seem to think about or, or, or the energy part of uh, the feed. And so uh, after the show, I'll kind of maybe decide to rename it something else. But I think that was pretty appropriate from what I remember us to, uh, talking about for this episode. But I hope you're doing well. And I wanted to let you know that I think I, I may have talked to you about this last month, but um, we're slowly but surely trying to approach the final decision about whether we're going to do Cooptastic for 2023. Um, I've got in for all the information over from uh, – the Alabama 4-H Center over in Columbiana, Alabama, and uh, we're starting to piece everything together. You know, obviously everything's gone up from the cost of the food to the hotel to uh, rental, everything. So we're trying to get an idea of what a, a package would cost for the attendee to see if, you know, the the chicken person would be willing to uh, forgo that. I know that um, we kept it very reasonable two years ago. We, we didn't do it for two years because of the COVID, and now we're getting back for 2023, and we had it at, I think it was $299 per person, which is was just shockingly amazing when it includes two nights hotel and all your meals, all your snacks, all the education material, the breakout rooms for folks. Um, so we know it's not going to be that this time. Um, we're going to try to keep it at about, for all those who are listening and are, and are anxious, like, wow, Cooptastic again, hooray. Um, we're trying to focus at 349 so basically be $50 more. Uh, but everything's more across the board, and I think most people, reasonable people, will understand that, whether it be food or room and board, you know, whatever it may be. So uh, we haven't made the final decision yet, Doc, but uh, we're hoping to probably in the next couple of weeks, maybe by the end of, we'll say, May, um, we'll make the final decision. We've already got the date locked in tentatively, okay. and so uh, now we just got to figure out if it's going to be feasible at the price point. We need to have it, and of course... Um, me and Dr. McRae don't make a dime off of this. It's a lot of hard work. Um, we do pay. Obviously, you have to pay good money for good speakers. And last year, or two years, last year, seems like it was last year, um, all of our speakers were from, uh, again, top poultry science universities, uh, Auburn, UGA, North Carolina State. Um, and we had about seven or eight of them. Uh, that presented. We do. We were doing necropsies. We were, if you remember, we were looking under microscopes for a lab. We had labs set up for uh, internal mm-hmm. parasites. It was. It was nothing like it of its kind. And um, we had people flying from California and New York and Vermont, because you were there, uh, which was fantastic. And so you show the, the quality of of the um, facility, which you're familiar with, but um, also the 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 whole event. So we're hoping in the next by the end of next yeah. month, we'll we'll either say yay or nay. And I'm um, hoping, I guess it'll be yay, even though it's, it is a lot of work. So, but uh, it'll be worth it in the end. But um, yeah, let's talk about food, energy, and carbs today, buddy. All right. And um, Andy, I uh, apologize. I, I've um, prepared on uh, to talk about fat as well. But now that I think about it, you know, in, in terms of energy, your the, the two primary sources are your carbs and fat. And I was, um, almost so, added you know, I think fat. if we could, yeah. yeah, almost added and, fat and, this morning when I was labeling it, but I was like, 
do I really want to put that in there? But, um, yeah, my brain was going along that same line, but that's fine. I can just add that energy carb slash fat onto the title. It's not a big deal. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I think we, we talked about crude protein, and then the the next item on uh, on the guaranteed analysis on any feed is, is fat or crude fat, uh, depending on how it's labeled. But, uh, you know, even if it just says fat, the the analysis the, the laboratory analysis that gets that number is is a uh, crude fat uh, analysis and for some people that, that might have had a you know animal science course or, or something in, in school they you know may know it as ether extracts and so you know the one thing to know about that is there's there's a couple reasons why it's crude um, just like with crude protein um, you know what that number is telling you is not really the amount of protein. Um, it's the, the same with crude fat. And that's because we're, um, to, to do that uh, laboratory analysis, we're taking a sample of the feed and then um, using a solvent, which is typically petroleum ether, and dissolving all of the fat-soluble substances uh, in the sample and measuring those. So it's not just fat, it's also uh could be pigments, uh like xanthophils, uh carotenes, uh could be uh fat soluble vitamins. Um and then, you know, what we typically think of as fat is triglycerides or glycerol three fatty acids, but this uh test would also uh encompass free fatty acids, monoglycerides, diglycerides. Uh, and there's uh, even some, some evidence that some of those um, lipid or, or fat-soluble substances can interact with uh, non-lipid uh, nitrogenous substances like urea. And mm-hmm. that, that might be included in that number. So um, that's just one thing to understand is that you know, when you see that crude fat number, the second item on the uh, on the list there, that's not really just fat. And you know, I think in most cases it's going to be pretty close, but but just something to keep in mind that it's not an exact number. Now I know our listeners very well after <laughs> 13, 14 years of doing this, and when you started that little segment and you talked about. I think it was ether and petroleum and all this kind of stuff. I could hear uh, screeches out in the background <laughs> of my fans going, <laughs> "What are you talking about? What?" And, you know, so I can I can hear the 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 all natural backyard. This is what you know those folks um, and a lot of them listen to the show. They're like, "Wait a minute!" So my question, I'm not going to go off down that rabbit hole, other than to ask if I purchase organic is what you just named or what you just described in the York because because you just heard you just we just we just heard a lot of things that probably would make people go whoa uh, are that's why I buy organic so let's say we bought mm-hmm. the exact same bag of feed and it just has organic labeled on it what you just described is that also used in the organic feed when we're talking about the fat that's in that yeah so the uh, the the laboratory analysis to determine uh, crude crude fat or crude protein or crude fiber, um, those are all going to be the same. Uh, so you know when a when a feed says organic or non-GMO, that's just referring to the ingredients that mm-hmm. make up that feed. And and just to to make it absolutely clear, when I you know mentioned ether extract and petroleum ether, that is what's used in the laboratory on a sample of the feed to determine that fat level. Um, it's not in the feed. Okay. See, I was listening, and I, that's what I gathered from that. So I'm sure other people figured that as well. Say, whoa, wait a minute. That's that's what's creating these fats that's in my feed. That's just utilized in the testing of to determine the amount of fat in the feed. Okay, gotcha. So if I right. missed that, yeah. I'm sure there were probably others out there that missed that. And then my, my theory was, oh, wow, we've we just up, upset the apple cart. 
because they're like, whoa, well, I just buy organic, so I don't, you know, all those chemical names. Got it. Okay. I appreciate you. I'm glad I asked, so because uh, I'm sure for a lot of people out there, because that's what I caught on as well. So, okay, perfect. Yep. And, uh, you know, and then the, the second reason why it's uh, why it's crude is because it doesn't tell you anything about the metabolizable energy. Um, and, it, and it really doesn't even tell you, uh, you know, how many calories that uh, you have. Um, and, and we know about, you know, how many calories uh, fat has, but, you know, again, uh, that number is also including your fat-soluble vitamins and uh, cholesterol, pigments, uh, and those don't have the same caloric value. And so, you know, I think, I don't know, it might have been two or three uh, magazine articles uh, ago. It was mm-hmm. one of them last year, I believe, that uh, I talked a little bit about uh, energy and had a energy partitioning uh, diagram. And so, you know, that goes into a little bit more detail, but when we take any feed ingredient or or a complete feed, then uh, you, you know that ingredient or feed has a certain number of total calories that we call uh, gross energy. And just like in, you know any any other process, it, that metabolism isn't 100% efficient, and mm-hmm. so some of that energy is. Uh, excreted as fecal energy, and when we subtract uh, that from the gross energy, then we have digestible energy. And then some of that um, energy that that's not used is excreted as urinary energy, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have metabolizable energy. And so, uh, so you know that would be any calories that make it into the excreta or, or the manure that aren't available for maintenance, growth, or egg production. And so when we formulate diets, that's why you know, we want to use metabolizable energy values for each ingredient. And so you know, not based on how much fat there is or how much carbs or how much uh, calories there are, but we want to formulate the diet uh, to a certain number of metabolizable calories that the um, – you know the amount that the bird is actually going to be able to uh, to use to grow or produce eggs or um, or to maintain uh, its body. And I guess your job at developing all this is to try to figure out the ingredient or the formula to most effectively serve the bird. The bird using you know trying to reduce the amount of all that other stuff, the waste and what goes into the urides and the fecal manager and unusable energy and try to focus on what's best for this bird that it can actually use. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, I I guess probably the, the biggest risk you take by not formulating to metabolizable or digestible values is that, um, you know, you have enough protein or fat or, or calories, um, but there's not enough that the bird can use. So, you, so the, it's the risk of coming up short. And so that's why, you know, we typically put a minimum value so that um, on those uh, digestible or metabolizable uh, nutrients so that when we formulate the diet um, to the lowest cost, that it has at least that much that that's, you know, to the bird's uh, nutrient requirement. But, um, you know, you also definitely don't want to have way too much. So, you know, we'll also look at the the value that, that we get compared to what that optimum is because, you know, in a lot of cases, um, having too much of a nutrient can be very bad. So, mm-hmm. you know, with calcium and phosphorus they need to be in a very specific ratio um same with branch chain amino acids like isoleucine and valine if there's too much of one it can uh impede the absorption and utilization of of another one um so you know we we want to 
uh, have at least, uh, you know, some optimum value, but then also make sure that that it's not uh, so far over that minimum that it's going to, uh, you know, hurt the, the utilization of other nutrients. Now, I know you and your position probably know what, let, let's say the average adult laying hen is eating a quarter cup of laying pellets uh, a day, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, and um, or you can do all that with all the weight, you know, quarter quarter pound to feed a day, whatever the case may be. Um, and you, in your daily position, probably know what a quarter cup of um, laying pellets, how many calories are in that, or at least, you know, you have a way to figure that out. Um, and mm-hmm. you may have said in a previous episode why we don't put calories on our animal feed bags because, you know, obviously animals aren't humans. I know a lot of people in the chicken world like to humanize them, but that's a whole other show. But, um, you know, if we would, I'm just trying to see if in the field in general, uh, I don't know if it would even matter or make a difference if, if the chicken keeper says, oh, okay, well, my like you know, based on a 2,000-calorie diet for the adult male in the United States, blah, 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 if, um, you know, we, we basically, mm-hmm. and, and as we know through shows and experts, the right way is to have feed available to them, uh, free choice. And so, you know, I guess that's in a roundabout way saying, you know, they're going to eat what they're going to eat it ends up being probably around a quarter cup a day so does it really matter how many calories are in that because i'm not actually dishing it out individually per bird i'm not figuring out they just have free choice um based on that so that that may be why it's not listed on the bag but um how much of that does that come into play when you're designing a feed like well that quarter cup um, a feed needs to have about this much calories to be a complete feed. Does that factor into your formula at all based, you know, that number? I don't need to know the number. You probably don't have it on top of your yeah. head or written down. You might, but I'm saying it's like, okay, you might know and, and you're developing this feed. That quarter cup needs to have really this many calories for this laying hen. Uh, we wouldn't need it as the end user really would help us. I just kind of explained probably why because we're given free choice. But um, is, is that important to you when you're developing this feed, the calories in there, even though we don't really talk about it and it's not on the bag? Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to set a, a minimum. Um, but, right. you know, one thing to, to keep in mind is if you're looking at a, a commercial operation and it doesn't matter whether it's conventional or cage-free or organic or um, – you know, or any kind of eggs that you'd buy at the grocery store, right? They're gonna they're gonna have a a diet matrix. Uh, so, it, you know, you typically have uh, I've seen up to eight feeding phases, uh, mm-hmm. and then diets in each phase made for uh, five or six different feed consumption rates. So it's usually in pounds per hundred hens per day. And so you might have a phase one uh, 20-pound diet and a phase one 21-pound diet. And I've seen sometimes where uh, nutritionists will go in half-pound increments. And so, so you're talking dozens if, or, or more uh, different formulas uh, because you're trying to keep nutrient intake uh, the same. So as that um, bird gets older – and their um, you know, feed intake changes, uh, then that's that's why you have so many different formulas. And and obviously with um, with backyard feed, uh, you know we we can't produce and sell 80 different layer formulas. And 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 no one would you know there's not many people that have enough birds to. Uh, you know, to, to buy a bag for each one of those phases, you know, a bag every week when you change mm-hmm. diets. Mm-hmm. So as a nutritionist for, for backyard birds, you know, I, I kind of ha- I have to pick kind of a middle ground number mm-hmm. that's going to be pretty good no matter how old they are. Um, so it's a little different there. It's not as, uh, not as precise as you would get in a commercial situation. And then you've got just like uh, I think I sent a listener 
uh, an email forwarded to you, and, and, and I've sent several to you about, well, I've got a mixed flock. I mean, I've got ducks and turkeys and chickens and, and uh, game birds and, and uh, naked net. I mean, all, and then so now, can I just feed them this one lamb pellet that I buy? <laughs> so now yeah. you've got you, turkeys and game birds and chickens and ducks all, you know, I, I want to make it easy and just pour this lamb <clears> pellet right in the feeder uh, and, uh, and do that. So I can see how that can also maybe determine the back of your head, you know, when you're developing this feed, you'll, you're going to know, obviously, that there will be some consumers or, or uh, customers that are feeding this to all sorts of variety of poultry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think in most cases, uh, you know, most of those birds are going to do fine um, on a, you know, a standard uh, chicken, you know, laying pellet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is with with quail, um you know, quail feed or is normally crumbled or mashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's possible that if you have a mini pellet, like we, you know, we make a regular kind yep. of a broiler chicken size pellet, and then also a mini pellet. And if those mini pellets are very short, then you know, a quail might be able to eat them. But but then if you look at the nutrient content, uh, you know, on a on a commercial quail uh, layer or or breeder feed. Your, your calcium and phosphorus is quite a bit different, uh, lower calcium than what you'd have in a laying hen, you know, in a chicken seed. And so, you know, for that one, I would, I'd, I'd probably feed the, the you know, quail uh, and game bird layer feed uh, for those type of birds. But, you know, I think for for ducks and geese, you know, there's, there's certainly some uh, products on the market that are specifically for uh, – Ducks and geese, which would, you know, of course, be fine. Um, but then, for uh, and then, but as far as just a, a regular layer pellet, if somebody was wanting to, you know, just have one feed they have to worry about and and stock, um, then you know the biggest thing that you'd be concerned with is niacin. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for example, with with our feed um, in the show flock line. Uh, Naturecrest uh, non-GMO line. Um, well, I guess all yeah, all of those. Uh, those are going to have plenty of niacin for ducks or geese, uh, as well. You know, as well as chickens. And uh, so I did that just kind of so um, you know those we'd have several available for for anybody that. That has those other birds or a mixed flock, but uh, but that's something you know for people that are in another part of the country. If if uh, you know you're happy with a, a layer feed and and want to feed it to your ducks and it doesn't uh, list a nice and level on the bag, then um, you know I just call the the feed company and ask. Sure, and I don't know. There's been plenty of times I've called you and said, "Hey, what's up with this?" <laughs> so, exactly, and 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 yeah, email uh, or get in touch if you want to learn how to get in touch with Curran. Uh, just give me a email, cw at chickenwhisperer dot com, cw at chickenwhisperer dot com, and I can get you in touch with Doc. Um, and if you've got questions, even whether it's hey, where can I find your feed in my area? To hey, I've got a question about this, that, and the other uh, regarding the nutrition for my birds. So um, that's always great. Uh, as well. So thanks for explaining that. Continue on, please. Um, so, you know, I, I thought next, you know, we should just talk about the the difference in energy density of the, the different macronutrients. So, you know, protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And fat, it has about 9 uh, kilocalories per gram or 4,080 kilocalories per pound. And then protein and, car- and carbs uh, each contain around 4 kilocalories per gram or about 1,800 kilocalories per pound. And so this, the, the important, you know, those, those numbers aren't really important, but um, from those you can uh, determine that fat has about 2.25 times the amount of calories as protein or carbs. And so, you know, it's much more... Uh, much more energy dense, and 
you know, I I know I've I've said it many times to not put too much uh, stock into you know the crude protein, crude fat, crude fiber. Um, but if you have a a pretty good feed, then in general, uh, you know, a feed that has higher crude protein should have more digestible amino acids. Um, and with high, a feed with higher crude fat should have more metabolizable energy in general. Um, so just another reason why it's important to look for a feed that's made with good ingredients and, and uh, you know, not just the the cheapest way to, to hit protein, fat, and fiber levels. And... Let's see. And, you know, then, uh, you know, along with the difference in uh, energy density, uh, those nutrients also have uh, different heat increments. And I think we touched on it a little bit before, but, you know, I, I assume there's several listeners that have horses and may have heard the term cool calories, um, which, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, there, there's not calories or calories. There's not different types of calories or um, yeah, there's not types of calories that are like air conditioning or anything like that. But I, I think that that term came about um, kind of in relation to the the heat increment of metabolism. And so is you know back to to something that we've talked about with uh heat stress um fat and carbs both have much lower heat increments than protein and so that means that that when when the bird metabolizes fat um it's going to generate um less heat than than uh than protein does and so you know i i don't know if even though it gets really hot in the south, you know, I, I don't know if heat stress is, is that big of a, a deal because in, in most cases it's not, you know, we don't have commercial operations where if you get, uh, you know, one less egg uh, today, it's, it's not going to be a, a huge deal. But, you know, during this, the hottest summer months, then it, it may be more beneficial to have more calories coming from fat. Um, and then the opposite, in the winter, we might want more calories coming from protein um, and, uh, and carbs. I, I'm sorry, I think I said uh, uh, grouped fat and carbs together at, at first, but, but it's really you know, fat and carbs versus protein, and, and protein is going to generate um, you know, more waste heat. So that's that's just something to to keep in mind, you know. I don't I don't think, you know, if I, if I had um my own flock, I don't I don't think I would change feeds just for that reason, but mm-hmm. just uh just something to keep in mind if, you know, if your birds are are getting really hot and and panting a lot even you know, even if they have shade provided, that's that's just something to keep in your back pocket. Yeah, it helps your overall view and understanding of feed and the different seasons. I know we talk a lot about that in our magazines because it's seasonal, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall issues. And we often have, more times than not, uh, articles from you guys about you know, what to prepare for for summer or fall. And like fall would be maybe molting. Summer would be heat issues and heat stress. And you, you concentrating on the nutrition year-round for our birds. And I, I would say, just like you did, I, I doubt that anybody, I don't, and how long have I kept, you know, chickens, and I don't know anybody that really does. Maybe some folks in the show arena or maybe people who are uh, breeding, maybe, but I haven't heard much of that, that, you know, I, I doubt most folks listening to the show who subscribe to the magazine um, who've been following us for years and years change feed seasonables every season. Oh, it's summertime. I need to buy this, or maybe it's wintertime. I need to buy this. You hear a lot of that on uh on the uh forums and in the groups 
like, oh, it's wintertime. I need to uh, plump my chickens up and start giving them corn. Now, you did a fantastic article about that um, last year, of course, and uh, we share the, the heck out of that when people say, oh, or I, I need to give them corn to keep them warm during the winter nights. You know, we've kind of debunked that on the show many a times. Um, but uh, but but I've noticed that instead of just changing their main ration, like I buy I buy Tucker milling sixteen percent all year long, and then you'll hear somebody say, well, "Yeah, well, in the win- when they start molting, I need to up their protein." And we've had countless experts on talking about how, nah, that's kind of a myth as well. Um, and here's why: it's all been documented in the magazine, folks. If that's another reason for to subscribe to the magazine, it's in there. Um, and uh, they're still feeding that feed, but they'll up the protein with something else. Horrible, like, oh, cat food, and you know, we've discussed that, or dry cat food, or hmm. uh, mealworms, or something to, to, to increase that protein. Uh, but they're still feeding that same 16% laying pellet, uh, or 22%, or 18%, whatever they're buying. So, yeah, I don't know anybody you mentioned that, that that changes their feed seasonably. They'll just add to <laughs> based on what they yeah. think in their mind is the right thing to do, like more protein for molting or now I've got to feed corn in the evening to keep them warm in the winter or, or uh, oh, now it's springtime and I need to focus on chicks. So, uh, that, yeah, so that, that makes sense. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, a lot of, of our listeners do that. They'll feed the same feed and then kind of add it to it or customize it when it's really not needed. My birds get 16% uh, Tucker Mill and Lamb pellets. That's all they get, and um, um, I don't I don't change it at all. And I'm, I'm in the hot South, and in Georgia, of course, and you know we just we see it increased obviously consumption of water, and they got plenty of shade where they mm-hmm. free range. Um, they've got a wooded area they can go to, but I tell you what, man, I'm telling you, I don't see them in the shaded area any more than I see them in the sunny area when it's mid July. <laughs> or August, oh, they're, yeah. just doing, they're just doing what they want to do. And they have they can get shade up under the coop. They can get shade in half of our pasture is kind of wooded area and our fenced-off area for the birds. And uh, But, nah, I don't see them hanging out in the shaded area any more in the July and August than they do. I think they're just kind of compensating with uh, we know they eat less in the summer and drink more. It's like we know we, they eat more in the winter and drink less. I just think they try to compensate by drinking more, and I know that because we got to fill up the waterers more. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I think that they're a lot more resilient than people are when it comes to things <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just fun to watch, interesting to watch what <clears throat> they do, and all this stuff that we think we need to you know to do for them. Um, and uh, it's uh, you know we want people to enjoy their birds. We want people to have fun with their birds and. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes when we hear folks say, I'm going to spoil my birds, it ends up being uh, not so healthy for their birds at the end of the day. Hey, I'm going to go to our second really quick commercial break, uh, Doc, mm-hmm. and then we come back. We'll continue. Uh, look over your outline, your notes, and uh, when we come back, we'll have about probably 15 minutes to, to wrap up the show so we can continue this okay. talking about energy carbs and fat as, as uh Dr. Curran Gehring with uh, Tucker Millen. We continue this kind of episode after episode of dissecting, if you will, our, our feed bags and the ingredients in the feed bags and uh, kind of list of importance and what it means when we see that. And and uh, people are out there like, hmm, that's interesting. You're right. Calories aren't on a feed bag. Um, so that's uh, something we talk about a lot. So we're going to go to commercial break, and we'll be back right after this, folks. So stay with us. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. 
The Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in just 15 seconds. Powered by a 1.5 horsepower electric motor, the Yardbird Chicken Plucker can handle two eight-pound birds at one time, while the built-in irrigation ring keeps your hands free for other butchering tasks. The 20-inch stainless steel drum features 110 rubber plucking fingers that gently remove feathers and dirt without tearing the skin. When butchering is complete, the plucker rinses clean with just soap and water. To learn more or purchase your plucker, visit YardbirdPluckers.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Tucker Milling. If you missed uh, the episode uh, last month with uh, Dr. Gehring about protein, I encourage you to go and listen to that as well. Uh, because everybody thinks protein is king, but they're not really sure why, probably because they heard it in a chicken forum. Um, and it's, it's fascinating about about that number on the front of the bag and what that number really means at the uh, at the end of the day um, for that. Also, uh, as always, I want to remind you about American Wood Fibers. We're uh, right in the middle of uh, testing a, a new bedding that they've come out with, and uh, we should have some results back to them here in the next month or so, which is fantastic. Uh, they have a lot of products on Chewy. In fact, American Wood Fibers, y'all, um, we we uh, ended up somewhere between 10 and 15 of you uh, follow us uh, and listen to the podcast and subscribe to the magazine. Somewhere between 10 and 15 also got shipped out product to test in return of a Chewy review. So I need to uh, see an update to see if that's that's been completed and go and take a look at the product on Chewy and uh, – get to see what the reviews were on that product that all of you guys actually tested for American Wood Fibers. And um, that's one of those things where I tell folks that, you know, you can find their products in a lot of feed stores. I've seen their products in Ingalls before. When I was at Ingalls, their their cedar shavings. And then, of course, um, if I'm literally in town driving right in front of the Walmart, and I know that it's a 40-minute drive from there to my favorite feed store where I get, you know, pallets of feed from them or at least a pallet a month from them and I need some shavings. Her wife says, oh, I need some shavings. We'll run right into Walmart and get those American Wood Fibers pine shavings there because I know that a 40-minute drive to and fro at gas prices the way that are there today, I go right into Walmart and get those American Wood Fiber shavings. So uh, look for their products as well, uh, also available on Chewy. So, um, yeah, let's continue, Doc, continuing about kind of food, energy, right. slash carbs, slash fat. And um, we've got about uh, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 minutes, somewhere in that area to uh, wrap this up and let these folks know what they really need to know about this. Okay. Yeah, and so, you know, now I think we can, you know, talk a little bit about carbs. And, uh, you know, carbs, is it, it's such a – big umbrella that uh you know it's it's almost like saying uh vehicles or um or food or you know you know it it really uh it it encompasses the sugar and starch that is rapidly digestible highly available as energy um but then you also have your fiber um and then you know, then you can branch out from there to multiple different types of fiber uh, whether that's uh, insoluble fiber, uh, which in, in most feed ingredients is going to be your cellulose. Uh, in some things like uh, uh, sunflower seed meal that has holes in it, then there might be quite a bit of lignin. Um, but that, you know, that insoluble fiber is going to be pretty inert. But then you have your soluble fiber, and that's, that's really... Um, what what you got to watch out for in terms of of having too much, 
especially if you don't add exogenous enzymes. And so, you know, one thing that's different with backyard feed is you, you notice that a lot of them are made with uh, wheat products, you know, whether it's ground wheat or mm-hmm. wheat middlings. Um, and that's going to have more of that soluble fiber than corn. Um, and, you know, especially the wheat middlings because uh, that's what's left after removing the uh, the flour. Um, so you've removed a lot of your uh, protein and starch, but then have that uh, that soluble fiber still there. And so, you know, usually, I, and I think it would be most seeds now, um, contain at least a xylanase. And that's going to break down the arabinoxylin, which is a, a fraction of that soluble fiber. And the reason that you want to do that is because that that soluble fiber is going to make the um, the contents of the of the gut, what we call the digesta, um, in the small intestine, more viscous. And so you, you can think about, you know, let's say you have uh, a glass of water, and you pour two things into it and mix it up, everything's going to mix together really easily. So those two things that you added are going to come in contact with each other very rapidly. Um, but then imagine if you have a jar of peanut butter, and you were to um, add add one of those things and, and mix it up and then add another well, now it's very hard to stir. It's going to be much, much more time before those uh, two items that you added come in contact with each other. And that's what needs to happen because um, in, the, in the bird, those, those two things would be a nutrient and an enzyme, so a protein and mm-hmm. a protease that the um, bird secretes from, from the pancreas or a... Uh, or a lipase that's going to break down fat. And if they don't come in contact with each other, then that nutrient doesn't get digested. And it just gets excreted or fermented in the hindgut by bacteria, which, um, you know, if that's an excess, could cause a lot of uh, lot of problems. And so it's not a good thing to increase the, the viscosity a whole lot. Uh, you know, but with... With those wheat-based products, it's it's really not you know especially if you if you have a xylanase that you can make a really really good feed and and a lot of you know, like in Europe they use tons of wheat um, a lot more than than corn like we do in the U.S. Um, but the ones that you got to watch out for are you know if you see a, a a feed that's made with the first ingredient as rye or barley mm-hmm. th- those have tons of NSPs or non-starch polysaccharides. Those are those viscous, soluble fibers, and so those are going to really um, impact nutrient digestion, growth, feed conversion, uh, things like that. Uh, unless they they have those uh, carbohydrates enzymes added uh, to the diet, and so that's um, you know that's just one thing to keep in mind with with most diets in the U.S. I, you know I don't think we have to worry about it too much because you're you're typically going to be uh, corn, wheat, milo, um, yeah maybe a few other grains, but we don't use a whole lot of rye or barley. So um, and but and then you know I guess the the other thing to watch out for is with uh, with soybean meal, there are two uh, oligosaccharides, which um, oligo, uh, O-L-I-G-O, that's just a prefix that means a short chain, so somewhere, you know, three to f- five chain lengths. Mm-hmm. And so you have these two sugars that fall under that category, uh, stachyose and raffinose, and those are not digestible by the bird, and they actually grab water and they make... Uh, very wet, sticky uh, uh, manure excreta. And so, you know, we did an experiment at at Auburn 
and fed some birds just corn for a day, um, and the droppings were just dry as a bone. Um, and then we fed some birds just soybean meal um, and just wet, sticky mess. And so, you know, with mo with a regular chicken diet, you you know, you don't really have to worry about that because there's so much, you know, the soybean meal is not going to be a whole lot more than 30%. Um, you know, it's going to have almost twice as much corn or wheat, uh, which is going to kind of offset that. But, you know, there are times where, you know, it might be a non-GMO diet or organic where, you know, you've got some other different ingredients in there. Um, or, you know, it could be a, uh, you know, turkey diet that has much higher protein. It's pulling more soybean meal in. Um, so, you know, sometimes that could have an effect on on uh, litter moisture and the and the litter quality. Um, if the nutritionist hasn't kind of taken that into consideration when formulating the diet. Well, all I can say is I'm glad that there are people like you <laughs> that make it easy for people like me to say, I trust Curran, so I want that feed and that bag. Um, but I think more so than that is for us as the animal caretakers seeing the results of all the stuff you're talking about that's just way over my head trying to process all of this and it going back to thinking, okay, well, all I know is I see great results from my feed here and my, all the different species of livestock I had. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm glad there's folks like Dr. Gehring to formulate this. Um, so I don't really have to worry about that. It's good to know. We've talked about promoting, you know, be a label reader. We've talked about catchphrases like that. Know what's in your feed. Because um, so many people are focused on, hey, know what's in your own feed, you know, whether it be organic or GMO or, mm -hmm. you know, when we're 2,000 calorie diet or, you know, for our human consumption. Um, and then we're just like, you know, it's across the board. It probably makes it more even more difficult, your job, because you're across the board. And even more so, I think, in animal care, you've got folks that just walk in and say, what's the lowest price chicken feed you have? I'll take two bags. And then you've got from, from that extreme all the way up to maybe I want the most expensive chicken feed because uh, that must mean that's better and I love my chickens, so I want that. To I want something uh, – I don't, I don't want to feel bad about buying the cheapest. I, I can't afford the most expensive. Give me something in between. And you know, we just kind of put all of our trust in – the hands of the people who are developing that feed, i.e. you, in the, in the case of Tucker Milling, because um, as, as we've heard from the last several months of kind of dissecting <laughs> this feed bag and what goes into it, it's fascinating. Uh, well above my pay grade as far as understanding all of this, I'm trying to hold on to dear life, and, and a lot of it makes sense. You do a great job of explaining it, but at the end of the day, at the end of every show, a doc, I'm like, whew, I'm glad I can call him if I have a question. I'm glad I can email him if I have a question. And But most of all, I'm glad I can just say, yeah, I want a pallet of Tucker Milling 16% pellet. And then I'll just, in return from that, we'll see the results in my birds. Or I want this, uh, this particular rabbit feed or my cow feed or the hog feed or the goat feed. Um, because it's a, a lot goes into it, and then the stacking, like we talked about earlier, where hey, I just want that one bag of feed, but guess what? I'm feeding turkeys and ducks and chickens and you know naked necks and I mean all this stuff uh, with that one bag because I want to I want it to be easy, and I just have one feeder, and they just all come to it and eat out of it. So it's uh, what a challenge for you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yep. uh, uh, that's crazy. Anything else you want to? Uh, again, kind of wrap up with, and then I'll get with you yeah. here in the next week or two, and we'll talk about next month. What, what's next on this list of, of dissecting these labels and these feed bags when you go to the store? And and I get, you know, this is fascinating information, and I get after maybe doing six months of this, uh, you know, you you and me, we may not change anything. We'll, there'll still be people walking in the store. What's the cheapest feed bag? Uh, that's what I want. I want two bags of that. Or what's the most expensive? Like I just described, I want something in the middle. Uh, and uh, I don't know if we'll change a lot of that or not, but hopefully people have a better understanding. They may say, well, you know, hey, it's not it's not about 
that sale price uh, a lot of times. It's not all about just, oh, 16%. It's not all about, oh, look at this percentage of crude fat. You know, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. So uh, I'll let you have the last word. Yeah, well, I just wanted to um, get, get back to, you know, being a label reader, and, and I think that there's probably a lot of people that look at that crude fat value and, you know, see, you know, this bag of feed has 4% fat, this bag of feed has 3% fat, so the 4% must be better. Um, but th- this is something that, that I didn't even uh, realize until recently when I, I ran the numbers. But, you know, when you look at corn or wheat, for example, you know, they have somewhere around 60-something percent starch. Um, and... And then with added fat, you know, you might have up to 1% of actually added uh, fat or oil. So, you know, when you're looking at, even though fat has over two times the amount of calories as carbs, you've just got so much more grain than than fat in the in the diet. Uh, you know, it's probably around 15 times more calories from from your grain, from the carbs than from the fat, and so that four four percent fat versus three percent fat really doesn't make it you know much of a difference or, or tell you that one feeds better than another. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> just all just all great information, and at the end of every show, I'm just like, wow. Um, Pretty interesting stuff, and I'm sure all our listeners are doing the same. And if you have questions uh, you want me to elaborate on, uh, just email them to me, cw at chickenwhisper.com. And if you do have a question specifically for uh, Dr. Gehring, just send that to me. I'll forward it to him, and he can answer back to you um, when he has some time. And hopefully uh, we might just have, uh, if, it, if in the next 30 days, Dr. McCray and I kind of decide to put on uh, the uh, second annual, though we skipped two years due to the pandemic, Cooptastic, uh, then maybe we can uh, uh, encourage Dr. Gehring to be one of the speakers there or maybe speak a couple of times on nutrition. I think that would be fantastic. So you'll have to have somebody else uh, man the Tucker Milling booth. <laughs> <laughs> while you actually while, while you actually teach uh, and educate us on some more uh, about the nutrition, so maybe we can get Kendra to man the booth, and uh, while you do the speaking and the education part of, uh, of the <laughs> Cooptastic, if we end up doing that, so that's fascinating. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. I'll get with you in the next week or so, and we'll talk about you know, hey, what's what's next, feed guy? You know, what's the next thing we really need to talk about uh, regarding that bag? Uh, and I don't think we'll. You know, separate it to every single word on that label, but because we may be able to, uh, the last few ingredients we can all just lump in. You know, whether it be called mm-hmm. filler, fillers, or hey, uh, vitamins and minerals, or um, uh, amino acids and this, that, or the other. We maybe I'm sure we can group a lot of those in to say the Vita Pack that we use, or, or or something like that. So we'll let you determine that since you're the expert. But thanks so much for coming on today. Um, we always appreciate it, and I'll be probably getting in touch with you very soon and via email about uh, the article for the summer issue <laughs> of Chicken Whisper Magazine. All right. All righty. Thanks Sounds so good, much, buddy. Man. You're welcome. I You're welcome. It. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. Another great show as we continue with Dr. Curran Gehring, Ph.D., poultry nutritionist over at Tucker Milling. We're dissecting these feed bags and, and uh, so we can learn more about feeding our animals, but um, we'll be back. Uh, let me see. I don't think there's five Thursdays in the month. So we'll be back next Thursday with uh, poultry scientist, Dr. McCray. Uh, maybe we can have her do another poultry research translated. I love those shows when she comes on. And that's our topic because she'll pick out some different uh, poultry research that's been done. Um, even if it's, at the, if it's at the commercial level uh, or even at the student level at her uh, at the Auburn. Uh, where she's uh, working out of and uh, kind of dissect it and dumb it, dumbs it down for us, <laughs> the end user, of what does the study mean really for the backyard flock owner? So maybe I can talk her into doing a um, 
poultry science translated uh, again. Uh, that would be great. We haven't had one of those in a while, so that'll be next Thursday right here on Blog Talk Radio um, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, you can always follow us on Facebook and Twitter and our Instagram account. But uh, we know thousands of you, because we see the numbers, listen to the podcast, and you enjoy it, and we get the emails. So thank you very much for tuning in, and we um, hope you continue to listen. Now, if I can just find this last button here. There it is. Then we'll go ahead and uh, see you next week. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We appreciate it. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.